podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast. Today is Tuesday, the 2nd of January. I am very under the weather, so apologies for any rambling that may take place. Um, Normally, the rambling is meant. This will not be meant. But, um, yeah, we'll get through this. We'll get through it. We have nine games to go back over from this past weekend. We have one game tonight, obviously, West Ham against Brighton. That is sixth versus eighth in the Premier League. Two decent teams. Uh, West Ham are in pretty good form. Obviously coming off big wins over Manchester United and Arsenal. Brighton's form has been very, very mixed, but they do play exciting football. They're always good to watch. So that's a very watchable game. That is one that I think people will enjoy. Um, We'll start with the early kickoff on Saturday. Luton Town 2. 
Chelsea 3. Chelsea went 3-0 up. Cole Palmer, Noni Mudeki, and Cole Palmer again, the second Palmer goal. Ice cold. Absolutely ice cold. Gorgeous little roll of the studs across the ball to create the moment. Stunning, stunning stuff. But from the minute that third goal went in, Luton absolutely battered Chelsea and should have gotten a draw. They did get two goals back, Ross Barkley and Elijah Adebayo. They should have scored at least one other. I would give huge credit to Petrovic in goal for Chelsea. He made a couple of top-end saves. But defensively, Chelsea looked very, very ragged when Luton really put it on to them. The thing that stood out to me was Chelsea had control of the game with Caicedo and Gallagher because Gallagher is the type of partner Caicedo needs. Someone that is a bit more dynamic going forward, allowing him to just sit in and hold that midfield. And I thought for 70-odd minutes, I thought he was outstanding, Caicedo. And then they brought on Enzo, and the midfield balance was completely lost. Because Enzo wants to sit in, and now Caicedo's been pushed into areas he he's not comfortable in, and he had a very poor last 20 minutes or so. Now, Conor Gallagher's not the answer to anything, but from a profile point of view, he does fit better with Caicedo and with Endo than they do with each other. Certainly for now. In time, that might change. But I've seen Chelsea fans say, oh, well, but once you put Lavia in with the two of them, that's going to make it worse. Then you're going to have Caicedo and Enzo playing in areas that they don't want to play in. You're going to have three players who all want to play in the same space. And that's going to be messy. Um, Chelsea needed this win. Obviously, it's not been a good season to date with eight defeats in their 20 games. They are 10th in the league, level on points with Wolves, three points ahead of Bournemouth, who do have a game in hand. They're now only a point behind Newcastle, two points behind Brighton, though they do have a game in hand, and three points behind United. Now, they're 12 points off top four, 11 off the top five. That top five have separated themselves. West Ham potentially look like the one team that maybe could string together some results and catch them, but I do think that top five is going to separate themselves. I think everybody else is playing for sixth. And I would include Chelsea and Wolves in that, considering, you know, let's just say Brighton win tonight. Then we've got five points between 6th and 11th. And Brentford and 12th could win their game in hand over Luton and put themselves in that mix as well. So I think that's the kind of the second mini-league that we'll have between now and the end of the season is basically West Ham, United, Brighton, Newcastle, Chelsea, Wolves, and Bournemouth. Now, nobody expects Bournemouth or Wolves to finish sixth, but starting off the new year, they're in that kind of mix. Um, For Luton, it's another defeat. They've won back-to-back games. They are starting to show a little bit more quality. Of the three teams that, that have come up, they've certainly adapted best to life in the Premier League. They're playing a brand of football that's not always 
all that good on the eye. But we saw some lovely transitions down the wing from them, some lovely interplay, some good overlapping, some good underlapping. They just need those strikers who are big physical beings to attack more. Because Alfie Doughty, Tahit Chung, Chidoziog Bennett, they put in some really nice crosses and the strikers were just kind of on their heels as opposed to throwing themselves towards those crosses. So I'd like to see a bit more aggression from um, Adebayo, sorry, Adebayo and uh, Carlton Morris. It's because they're big, strong, physical lads. I'd like to see them be more aggressive at attacking those crosses, at gambling that the cross is going to go into the L corridor of uncertainty. And I think there can be more goals for them doing that. Uh, moving on then, Crystal Palace 3, Brentford 1. Brentford went 1-0 up on two minutes. A nice finish from Keane Lewis Potter. But from there, Palace played very, very well. Michael Elise equalised on 14 minutes. Uh, Eberiezi put Palace ahead on 39 and then Olise with a lovely slaloming run wrapped it all up on 58 minutes good win for Palace an important win for Roy Hodgson because pressure is massively starting to mount on him and I don't think he's going to see out the season if I'm being honest Cooper's available Potter's available I would imagine that eyes are being cast from Palace at both of them I think Roy is another bad run away or another bad result away from probably stepping aside. I think they'll give him the option to just retire. Um, But they needed this win because they had had a dreadful run of form, especially at home. Uh, This puts them into 14th. They're now ahead of Forrest, Brentford, and they were already ahead of Forrest. They're ahead of Brentford and Everton. Um, for Brentford, their their form is is very concerning. Five straight defeats now. Um, is it six? No, they beat Luton. They've lost five in a row since beating Luton. They'd lost two in a row before the Luton game, which came off the back of three straight wins and a very unfortunate defeat at Old Trafford. They were doing really well up until the 4th of November, and now the wheels have come off. Injuries are crippling Brentford right now, Um, but they do have Ivan Toney coming back, which is an enormous boost for them. Man City 2, Sheffield United 0. City just very workmanlike, just did what they needed to do, didn't do any more than that. Rodri scored on 14, Alvarez scored on 61, and what that does is it puts them ahead of Arsenal in the Premier League table, a city who'd been written off by many of the Arsenal fans as being out of the title race, now ahead of Arsenal, and they have a game in hand. Um, I, I, I've i said all along, I maintain that it is City's league to lose. They have not played well yet, and they're third, five points off top with a game in hand, and Kevin De Bruyne to come back, and Erling Haaland to come back, and a defence that we know will improve as the season goes along. Sheffield United, it looks a lost cause. They're now seven points from safety, 
they need to be very active in this transfer window. Um, Aston Villa 3, Burnley 2. Villa making far harder work of this than it should have been. They went 1-0 up through Leon Bailey. Three minutes later, Zeki Amdoni equalised. They went 2-0 up through Moussa Diaby, but then Lyle Foster equalised after Sanderberg had been sent off. But Douglas Louise with a penalty on 89. It is a bit of a questionable one, but it looked a penalty to me at the time. The replays make it look less so. Villa have been really poor without Bubakar Kamara. But they are second in the league. Now, they would be top had they not dropped points to a bad Sheffield United team and a bad Manchester United team. That's five points that they are without, that they should have taken against those two teams, which would put them on 47. They'd be two points clear at the top. Instead, they're second, and they'll be thrilled. 20 games in, only three points off top. They couldn't have they couldn't dream that things would be going this well. Um, and, and they deserve to be there. They have been the second best team in the league thus far this season. Now, they have to go to City and go to Arsenal in the second half of the year, which will be tough games. And we know their away form is not as good as the home form, but they do have the likes of Liverpool and Newcastle and Manchester United all to come to Villa Park, and and they've been great at home. They have been great at home. Um, Burnley, a good performance, but another another defeat. And they're now five points from safety. The other issue for Burnley and Sheffield United is their goal difference is just diabolical. I mean, 21 for Burnley, minus 21, minus 34 for Sheffield United. Um, You know your goal difference is terrible um, when there's only... When there's no teams with a positive goal differential higher than your negative goal differential, as is the case with Sheffield United, and only two teams, uh, those being Liverpool and City, whose thing is more positive than Burnley's is negative, it, it, they're just not very good. They're just not very good. Uh, it was great to see Lyle Foster score, though, so that's at least one positive to come out of that game. Uh, Wolves 3. Everton nil, and this could have been five or six. Wolves are outstanding. Kilman on 25, Cunha on 53, and Craig Dawson on 61. Uh, Neto should have scored. Huang should have had a goal. Uh, there was a couple of other chances that they had. Pickford made some decent saves. They missed some chances badly. Everton, 10 shots, none on target, which will tell you how their, their day But for Wolves, I mean, 28 points from 20 games, really, really good. Everton, 16 points. It would be 26, obviously. Everton would be sitting in 12th, if not for the fact that they cheated and got caught. They're one point ahead of Luton, and Luton have a game in hand. They've lost three in a row now. I still still think they'll stay up. I I, I had them down to go down, but Dyche has improved them more than I expected. I think they will look to add one, maybe more, but probably one in January, just depending on finances. Um, they may not be able to add anybody, but I, I think there's probably a loan they could work out to bring somebody in. I, I could see Dan Juma's loan maybe getting cut short because it hasn't worked out. Um, but Wolves, I mean, 11th in the league, three wins on the bounce. They're very, very good at home. I think they should be very happy with how things have gone. 
Nottingham Forest 2, Manchester United 1. Nicholas Dominguez on 64. Marcus Rashford equalised on 78. But Morgan Gibbs-White, who was outstanding in this game, won it for Forest on 82 minutes. Huge win for Forest. That's back-to-back wins now. They've created a little bit of separation on the relegation spots. They're five points ahead of Luton. And they should be very, very happy with that result. Uh, United, it's a ninth defeat in the Premier League this season. That's a 14th defeat in all competitions in 28 games. They have lost 14 games this season and won only 12 with two draws. That's not good, in case you're wondering. That's not good at all. Um, I, I don't know how long they can stick with this manager. I mean, the only teams who've scored less than their 22 goals this season are Burnley and Sheffield United. Manchester United have an 80 million striker and two 75 million wingers, though one of them obviously is not allowed to play because he upset the manager and hurt his feelings. They also have Marcus Rashford, who for me is one of England's best players, and yet they've scored 22 goals. And Bruno Fernandes, who by himself used to score 20 goals a season, uh, they've scored 22 goals in the league. They've lost nine times. The only teams who've lost more, Fulham, Forest, Brentford, Everton, and the bottom three. That's the company Manchester United are keeping. They're one of the worst teams in the league. And nine defeats, it really should be 12. It really should be 12. They should have lost to Brentford. They should have lost at home to Forest. That's twice this season Forest should have beaten them. And they should have lost at home to Wolves. And had they lost those three games, only Burnley and Sheffield United would have lost more. Now, we can remove one of their defeats that shouldn't have been a defeat because they should have gotten a draw against Arsenal but got robbed by poor referee. But then they should have been hammered at Anfield. So you'd be back to 12. Like, they've been very, very lucky and they're still this bad. They're still this bad. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Nine defeats in 20 league games is atrocious for Manchester United. Last season, they lost nine in the league all season long. The year before, they lost 12. The year before that, they lost only six. The year before that, they lost eight. Uh, The year before that, they lost 10. The year before that, they lost seven. Uh, Five. Ten. And eight. That's your last ten seasons. And realistically, they're not going the rest of the way 
without more defeats. Their worst season post-Ferguson uh, in terms of defeats is that 2021-22 season with 12 defeats. Does anyone think they're going to have less than four defeats between now and the end of the season in their in the remaining 18 games? I would back them to lose at least four, which will put them on 13 in a league campaign, which will be their worst since God knows when. Uh, actually, is it worse than the Moyes season? Let's see. Manchester United. Uh, Premier League, 13, 14. Let's see. How many games did they lose in that Moyes season? 12. So 12 is their worst since Ferguson. Um, Ferguson's last year, they won the league. They lost five games. Season before that, second in the league, five games. Season before that, third in the league, no, first in the league, four games. Uh, 09-10, second, seven games. 08-09, top four games. 07-08, they won the league again. They won, lost five games. I, I would I would reckon that 12 is comfortably the worst. Well, not comfortably because they've had a couple of tens, but like they've never, un, under Ferguson in the Premier League, they never would have lost 12 in a, in a Premier League season. I wouldn't imagine he ever lost nine in a Premier League season. See if we can pull up. See. Okay, here we go. We look at this properly now. Um, right in the league, the most so two twelves, two tens in the post Ferguson era. In the Ferguson era, they lost nine in 0304 and 0102. So they're Ferguson's worst Premier League seasons. And they've already matched that. And it's January 2nd. Now, prior to the Premier League, they did lose. And remember, some of them Premier League seasons were 42 games, and they never lost nine in any of them. Uh, prior to the Premier League, uh, 13, 16, and 10. So, yeah, this team won't get to 16. Like, they won't have a season as bad as the 88, 89, 90s. But remember, they did win the FA Cup that year. And they only lost, in total, 17 games that season. Now, they didn't play in Europe. Season before, they lost 15 in all competitions, didn't play in Europe, obviously, no European football for any English team. Um, I don't know. This is, it's shaping up to be the worst United season in, in a long, long time. Like, it won't be as bad as the 73-74 season, for example, where they got relegated. But it'll be in the top, 
five worst Manchester United seasons since they returned to the top flight in 75-76. It's going to be comfortably in the top five. And I, I can't imagine this manager being allowed to continue. I know he won a cup last year. Whoop-de-doo. They've been a disgrace this year. Uh, we've gotten sidetracked and started rambling, so let's get back to the actual games. Uh, Fulham 2, Arsenal 1. Back-to-back defeats for Arsenal now. Um, against teams that they would have expected to beat. In truth, it should be three straight defeats because Liverpool should have beaten them. Forgetting this, the Stonewall penalty that was denied by the officials, the Trent tra- chance, uh, he should score that and Liverpool should win that game. And then Arsenal would have three straight defeats, four defeats in five in the Premier League. Instead, it's three defeats in five, just one win in five in the Premier League. And if we go back a little bit further and we look at the Brentford game, very, very fortunate to beat Brentford. Brentford missed a couple of big chances. Late goal from Kai Havertz wins it for Arsenal. Then they play Luton. Very, very fortunate to beat Luton. 3-2 down. They get back to 3-3. Six minutes of added time is put up on the board. And Declan Rice scores in the seventh minute of added time. They could easily have dropped points in both of those games. They did deserve to beat Wolves. It must be said they deserve to beat Wolves. They got beaten by Villa. They dominated Brighton, but could still have ended up not winning that game if Pascal Grouse takes his chance. It's 1-1, and I don't think Havertz gets that goal because I don't think Brighton would have been as open. Again, should have lost to Liverpool, did lose to, to West Ham, and deservedly so, and lost here, and deservedly so. They were outplayed in this game. They were outfought in midfield. They didn't look up for it. And this is the Arsenal that I've been talking about, a team that doesn't like getting punched in the face, that are soft. And they've been really poor now for a while. They're fourth in the league. They would be fifth if Spurs hadn't had so many injuries and suspensions. There's just no way around that. Like, Arsenal have been fortunate with injuries this season. Now, they'll they'll say, oh, well, Thomas Partey's been out. You signed Declan Rice to replace Thomas Partey, and you continue to tell us he's the best defensive midfielder in the world. So surely if he's the best defensive midfielder in the world he would be starting in defensive midfield, which would mean Thomas Partey is a squad player. Now, Rice had another stinker at the weekend, which followed on from a stinker against West Ham, a pretty poor performance at Anfield, um, a very poor performance against Villa. You're looking at five or six just in the league alone now. So the idea that he's been this incredible player for them is just, it's a falsehood. Um Arsenal. Right. 
so they've had their first choice goalkeeper in every game. Whether that was Ramsdale or Raya, Arteta's been able to pick who he wanted in every game bar one. Raya couldn't play against Brentford because he's on loan from them. But they've had no issues there. Uh, Saliba has played all 20 games. Ben White has played in 19. Gabriel has played in 18. Saka, 19. Odegaard, 17. Jesus missed five games. Martinelli's played 18. And Kethi has played 19. Tommy Asu's not a starter. Trossard's played 16, but he's been on the bench. He's not a starter. Their best 11, what would we say? What, what's their go-to 11? Raya, he has played 15 games, neither games is on the bench, or, and he wasn't eligible for one. Ben White, he's played 19 games. Saliba's played 20. Gabriella's played 18. Zinchenko has played 18. There's your back four. Uh, Declan Rice, he's played all 20. Ty Havertz, he has played 19 and was suspended for one. Um, Odegaard has played in 17, so he missed three. But I don't think he was injured. I think he was on the bench. Um, Saka, he's played 19. Martinelli, like I said, 18. So Jesus is the only... First choice player to miss a serious amount of games. And he missed five. So it's actually a small amount. He missed five games. Now, they can say jury and timber. Fair enough. Fair enough. But where would he play? Right back? Well, you've got a £50 million player playing there. Left back, you've got a £35 million player playing there. So not really buying the excuse of injury with them. Whereas you look at Spurs, Van de Ven's been missing for months. Madison's been missing for months. Basuma's had multiple absentees. So has Papa Matarsar. So has uh, Christian Romero. Richarlison missed some games. Like Spurs have had much worse issues injury-wise and are only a point behind Arsenal. That's a concern if you're an Arsenal fan. Great win for Fulham. Great, great win for Fulham. A badly needed win as well after three straight defeats. Um, They're on 24 points. And by the sounds of things, they're going to be active in January. Promises have been made to the manager. Hopefully Tony Khan gets his act together quickly and gets some players in because this manager's doing an excellent job keeping them afloat with some, some questionable fits in different places. Um, brilliant to see Raul Jimenez scoring again. It, it'll always be good to see him scoring. And I did say it to Guy, like, he did get injured against Arsenal, so maybe it was a bit of a revenge game for him. I, I, I thought Arsenal would win. I, I, I genuinely am shocked that Arsenal didn't win. But, yeah, great win for Fulham. Um, moving on, Tottenham 3. Did I point out who scored? It was Raul Jimenez equalising after Bikhail Saka's early opener and Bobby D. Cordova-Reed with the winner on 59. Um, Tottenham 3, Bournemouth 1. Papi Matar Sar opened the scoring. Hyungmin Son made it 2. 
Richarlison made a three. Alex Scott pulled one back. Bournemouth should have been ahead in the first half. After the Sar goal, Bournemouth were the better team from 10 minutes to the halftime break. And unfortunately just couldn't find a goal. And then Spurs get two in nine minutes late in the second half to make it 3-0, which didn't reflect the game at all. Um, but credit to Bournemouth. Like, they went there, played their football and had a go and continued to look a good team. Spurs are fifth in the league, one point behind Arsenal, one behind City, but they've played a game more, three behind Villa. They're very much in the mix for top four. And Bournemouth, they're 12th, 25 points, three behind Wolves and Chelsea, but they do have a game in hand. And they're, you know, they're in the mix for top half finish. Irola's doing a great job. Uh, Finally then, last night, we had Liverpool 4, Newcastle 2. A one-sided ass-kicking. A bit of a frustrating ass-kicking, it must be said, but... Liverpool got there in the end. Salah on 49. Isak equalised five minutes later. Then Curtis Jones and Cody Gakbo made a 3-1. Sven Botman pulled one back and Salah wrapped it up. Liverpool broke the record for the most XG ever totaled in a Premier League game since that began being tracked. They had the most shots registered in a Premier League game this season with 34. 15 of them were on target. Dubravka was outstanding. But really and truly, Liverpool should have scored seven or eight in this game. And it it wouldn't have been... Like, you could play the same game over again and it would end 8-2 and it wouldn't be any different. Like, it would not be any different. Liverpool just missed big chances. Nunes missed a couple. Salah missed a penalty. Jones missed one. Gakpo missed one. Liverpool were just rampant. Absolutely rampant. There was nothing Newcastle could really do to stop them. Even playing a deep block, it didn't make any difference. They got overrun in midfield. Jones and Endo were outstanding for Liverpool. Gmerish got a yellow card in the first half and it really did diminish his impact on the game. Um, Referee was pretty poor through the night, but he did get the big decisions right. But there was a bunch of small decisions he got wrong. Uh, Jolinton, I don't know how he didn't get sent off. Like, he committed so many fouls in that first half. And some of them weren't even given as fouls. There's one on Luis Diaz when he should have already been booked after karate chopping Dominic Zavoslai. Um, He should have been booked for that. And then a couple of minutes later, he hauls down, he, he trips Luis Diaz. No free kick is given. And Diaz got booked for remonstrating. Nonsense. Joe Gomez got hacked down in the second half and no free kick was even given. I do think when Anthony Taylor watches that game back, he'll realise he made some mistakes. So, you know, that's all you can really ask for is he does does realise that he's made mistakes. So Newcastle are ninth. Uh, They, like Manchester United, have lost nine times in the Premier League this season. At least they can score like a real team. But defensively, they've not been good of late. 29 goals conceded in the league this season. But three were to Everton, four were to Spurs, three were to Forest, and four to Liverpool. That's 14 goals conceded 
in just those games. They also remember lost to Luton. But that was only 1-0. 14 goals conceded in four games. Um, does skew the fact that when this team is right, they are very good defensively. I don't I don't know what's gonna happen with Eddie Howe. I'm not sure who the guy would be that they would go and get if they decided to move on from Howe. I have a feeling Graham Potter would be high on the list, given he's got a close relationship with Dan Ashworth. It feels to me like that might be the play. Do I think it's the right play? I don't know. I don't know. But I don't feel like Eddie Howe has done a particularly good job this year. I think he had a brilliant first 18 months. But this year, I feel like he's kind of gotten caught up in doing one thing and playing one specific way. Whereas the old Eddie Howe was a bit more flexible and a bit more pragmatic. Like his players have been run into the ground. They're exhausted. And he's continuing to try and play the same way, home and away. You've got to have some alterations in there. And he is a guy who's going to be walking a tightrope because that's a club with huge ambition and huge money behind them, obviously. And for all the good he's done, it wouldn't take much, I don't think, for them to just say, you know what, let's make a change. He deserves an immense amount of credit and the work he's done there will absolutely get him a good job afterwards. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's not the Newcastle manager by like March if things don't turn around. They they could easily drop into the bottom half quite soon. And while it doesn't really matter whether you're ninth or eleventh, there is a, a psychological thing to that. Their next game. They've got City home. Well, first of all, they've got Sunderland away in the Cup, which is going to be really tough. And Newcastle have not been good away this year. Then they get City home, and then they go to Villa. And I don't fancy them take any points from those two games. Chelsea, they play Preston in the FA Cup, Borough in the EFL Cup. Then they've got Fulham home which I would expect them to take something from. Then they go to Bur- then they got Burr in the second leg. Then they get Liverpool away. Let's just give them three points. Let's say they beat Fulham. That would put them above Newcastle. Forgetting everybody else, that would put them above Newcastle. Wolves, they play Brentford in the cup. Then they go to Brighton. Then they play United at home, and I would expect them to beat United at Molyneux. So that will put them ahead of Newcastle, which would put Newcastle into 11th. Bournemouth, I don't think they take anything from the next two league games. They've got Liverpool home, West Ham away. I don't think they take anything there. So let's just say Newcastle are 11th after the first round of games in the the last round of games for January, first round for February on the 31st and 1st. If Newcastle are 11th, 
Uh, that kind of feels like, uh, and let's say they, you know, it, a, a lot will depend on that that game against Sunderland. If they lose that, he might just go after that. But if they win that, and they've still got a chance at winning the FA Cup, I do think they'll put up with a disappointing league campaign if they could win the FA Cup. But if they're 11th in the thing and they go out of the cup, 11th in the league and they go out of the cup, that's him. I think that's him done. Which would be a shame because he has done very, very well there. Um, we'll take a break. When we come back, news and gossip. So I'll see you after this. Right. Welcome back. So, Carol uh, Matoma, who's injured and out for at least six weeks, has been included in the Japan squad for the Asian Cup and is expected now to travel and be away. Um, whether that's just that they want to bring him and assess them themselves, I don't know. But it's very, very strange. It's very, very strange. The Japanese manager has said that the player is expected to be back at an early stage, and Brighton are saying four to six weeks. Um, so that just doesn't make any sense at all. And Ivory Coast have also called up Simon Adingra, who's also expected to be out four to six weeks, and they've brought him to the AFCON. Why? I have no idea. Um, Ghana, on the other hand, have left Thomas Partey out of their AFCON squad. Now, that seems a little strange because word was he was due back in training for Arsenal in the next week or so. So you'd expect he'll be back fit enough to play to have played a good part in the AFCON. But then there are some suggestions that he's not allowed to leave England. We'll just leave that there. Um, Thomas Suchek has signed a new contract at West Ham, tying him to the club until June of 2027. He has looked reinvigorated this year. He was poor last year. He looked like the games had caught up on him. And he looked a lot older than his 28 years of age. But he's been excellent this season. And I think it's a good move to make sure that he's locked in long term. Even if he just transitions into being a squad player, I think he can be a valuable a valuable piece in that squad for them. Uh, Donny van de Beek has joined Eintracht Frankfurt on loan from Manchester United with an option to buy. The option is set at 9.5 million, which is quite a lot less than the 35 million United paid for him back in 2020. Uh, he's made 62 appearances for United and scored twice. Donny van de Beek was a goal-scoring midfielder before United signed him. Uh, Jonathan Morgan has returned to work as Sheffield United women's manager after an investigation into his conduct and behaviour. Uh, he had agreed to stand down in October, but has now been cleared to return after the investigation was completed. Uh, in December, an investigation into the, death, into the events leading to the death of Maddie Cusack found no evidence of wrongdoing at the club. Cusack died at the age of 27 back in September. Um, very, very sad, that poor girl. Uh, but the club have been cleared, so I, I don't really know I don't really know what to say. Um, it's just a bad situation for everybody. 
a really bad situation for everybody because she was not only one of the women's players, she also worked as a marketing executive and had a big role at the club and was very, very popular by all accounts. Um, but obviously things weren't weren't as good under the surface as they appeared on the surface. Uh, January transfer window, who could be on the move? Calvin Phillips, everybody expects him to move. Jaden Sancho, Aaron Ramsdale, I don't think will move. Conor Gallagher, I'd be, I would be shocked if Chelsea sold him, but then I wouldn't be when I think of who their owner is. Uh, but he is playing pretty much every game. He is captain with Reese James out. Uh, but it would be very Chelsea if they had to sell him because of the stupidity of their spending. Ivan Tony, I don't think moves in this January. Joe Polina, we'll have to wait and see. It feels like there is a January move there for him, but we'll have to wait and see. Thomas Partey has been linked to the move away again. I don't think he can leave England, and there's just no way any English club is going to touch him. Trevor Chalaba, I, I would love Liverpool to grab him, being completely honest. I think he'd be a really good get. I think a, lo- a number of clubs would benefit from signing him, um, including Crystal Palace, who are also linked. Um, Emile Smith-Rowe, I mean, he's really, really good. And Arteta is just wasting him. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. There's, there's talk that he could go to Villa in a deal to bring back Douglas Luiz. But Villa are going to want eighty million for Douglas Luiz, and Emil Smith Rowe is not fetching any more than thirty. And Arsenal don't have fifty. Uh, Raphael Varane, I think, with the injuries and issues United have, he probably stays put. Uh, one player who is leaving Manchester United is Sergio Regulon. He is on his way back to Spurs. Uh, United have decided to end his loan, which might point to another potential loan coming in. Um. I think Regulon would fit better at Spurs under Postacoglu, to be fair. So not necessarily the worst thing in the world to get him back. Um, Wayne Rooney has been sacked as Birmingham City manager after just 15 games in charge. 83 days he lasted. He was appointed on the 11th of October. They were sixth in the table and made the decision to move on from John Eustace. And if we have a quick look at the championship table, uh, they're not in sixth anymore. They're not seventh. They're not in the top 10. They're not in the top 15. Oh, there they are way down in 20th position. So congrats to everybody. At Birmingham, who made the decision to sack John Eustace and hire Wayne Rooney for name recognition only. You've completely blown up your season. And now you're facing a relegation scrap with 22 games left. Sorry, 20 games left in the season. You're only three points ahead of Huddersfield. Six ahead of Sheffield Wednesday, who've turned their season around. Seven ahead of QPR. And you're going in the wrong direction at QPR hour as well. But you're very much going in the wrong direction. John Eustace will be back in a job fairly soon, but probably not before Wayne Rooney. 
because name recognition. Because him and Lampard and Gerrard will continue to get opportunities because of what they did as players, despite the fact that all three of them are absolutely garbage as managers. They're all dreadful managers. What else have we got here? Uh, There's currently games going on in Scotland, which was a bit strange. Um, Rangers are tuning up at home to Kilmarnock. Aberdeen are tuning up away to Ross County. Hearts are beating Livingston. And Hibbs and Motherwell is 1-1. Just in case you were wondering what time of day it is, it is 18 minutes past four. Um. Yeah, right. We'll do the gossip. We'll do two days worth. Um, right. Monday's gossip. Manchester City have agreed a deal to sign River Plate's Argentine under-17 midfielder Claudio Echeverria. On a six-year contract, he will remain at River Plate until December of next year when he turns 18 and can make the move. Manchester United have decided against activating Rafael Varane's contract extension, uh, which means he can leave on a free next summer and he can sign a contract to leave on a free as of yesterday. Uh, Leicester wants to sign Liverpool winger Fabio Carvalho. He's not a winger, but he'd make sense for them. Liverpool have sent scouts to watch Michael Elise in recent weeks. I would love Liverpool to sign Michael Elise. Papi Matar Sar is close to agreeing a new long-term contract with Tottenham. Unfortunately for Tottenham, he's just gotten injured again. So that's a blow. Arsenal will allow Reese Nelson to leave the club on loan in January. Sign him to a £100,000 a week contract in the summer. £100,000 a week. And now prepare to let him go on loan. Monaco are closing in the deal to sign Tilo Carrere from West Ham. Juventus, Nice, and several Premier League clubs are interested in Adamola Luckman. Sheffield United want to sign a goalkeeper on loan in January with Anderlecht, Kasper Schmeichel, a potential target. Okay. Um, Brentford have made a £21.6 million bid for Real Betts' 18-year-old Spanish under-21 winger Asana Diao. He's super talented. Southampton are considering a move for Manuel Benson. Yeah, I mean, he's proven quality in the championship, so it could make sense for them. West Ham have activated a one-year extension on the contract of Vladimir Sufal, but he wants a longer deal. Makes sense to maybe do a, you know, a two-year extension with him. Given he's 31, you don't want to do too much longer than that. Eidrich Frankfurt are close to agreeing a loan deal with Wolves for Sasa Kalasic. Yeah, he's completely fallen out of favour, so makes sense. Brighton and Crystal Palace both want to bring in Kieran McKenna as the new manager. Both of them have managers, and Brighton aren't changing manager anytime soon. But for Crystal Palace, it could make sense. Um, I still think he'll stay at Ipswich till the end of the season, though they have um, dipped a little bit and have gone from you know nose to nose with Leicester to now being 10 points behind and risking getting overhauled and dragged back into the playoff mix, which... You know, it'd still be a great achievement to reach the playoffs in your first season in the championship, but um, they were looking like good value to go up automatically. 
Liverpool and Real Madrid want Kylian Mbappe, who is out of contract at the end of the season. He is free to sign with another club as of yesterday. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain are leading contenders to sign Calvin Phillips. That is mental if that's true. Who's written that? Telegraph sports reporters. He doesn't make any sense for them at all. Manchester United and Liverpool head the queue of Joshua Kimmich. His contract's not up at the end of this season, is it? Um, I wouldn't sign him, personally. No, his contract is up at the end of next season. Um, I wouldn't sign him, personally. Liverpool and Tottenham are weighing up summer moves for Wang Hee Chan. I find that one unlikely. Tottenham are pushing to complete the signing of Radu Dragazin by the end of the week. He'd be a really good get for them. West Ham have contacted Tottenham about a deal for Eric Dyer. Now, that is uh, an exclusive by Steve K, the spoofer. So I don't believe that to be true. Manchester City are among a host of teams tracking Lenny Yarrow, but Lille want at least 78 million. That's nonsense. They're not asking or going to ask or get anywhere close to that. But Lenny Yarrow is. He is an enormous talent. Liverpool are monitoring Morton Friendup, Friendrup of Genoa. He's a good player. I'm not sure he's ready for Liverpool. Um, Hakim Ziyech could return to Chelsea this month as Galatasaray are planning to terminate his season-long loan. Okay. Nottingham Forest have reopened talks with PSG about re-signing Taylor Navas. Um, he was really good there for them last season. They need a goalkeeper. Newcastle want Andre Santos, whose loan at Nottingham Forest is expected to be terminated this month. Now, that is Ben Jacobs, <coughs> who is uh, a significant spoofer. So I'm not really sure why anyone would take what he has to say as uh, as factual. Newcastle have made contacts with the representatives of Sporting Lisbon's Ivory Coast defender, Usman Diamande regarding a potential summer move. He'd be an unbelievable signing for them. Him and Botman together would be brilliant. Um, Manuel Benson is in talks with Hull after the club's verbally agreed alone. Fair. Fulham have triggered a one-year contract extension for Tom Kearney. Good, he's been playing well recently. He's a good squad player. Uh, West Ham are willing to allow Saeed Benrama to leave with Fulham and Leon interested. He'd make sense for Fulham. Uh, Leon, I, I, I don't know what they need, to be honest. They're a mess. Chelsea have started the process of signing Jean-Claire Tadebo. I, I, I don't think they have. I really don't think they have. And I don't think uh, Fraser Gillen is anyone we're going to take uh, information of. Arsenal could recall... Kieran Tierney from his loan at Real Sociedad following Zinchenko's injury. I don't think there's a break in that loan. Maybe there is. I think it was reported when he went there that there wasn't. Chelsea are keen on Germany's under-17 World Cup winner, David Adogu. The 17-year-old Wolfsburg defender has not played a senior game in the Bundesliga yet. So he could go there and then spend the next five years on loan. Carlos Vela of... Formerly of Arsenal, um, could return to Real Sociedad on a short-term deal. He also was an offer from Cruz Azul in his homeland of Mexico after his deal with 
LAFC expired. I was a little bit surprised he didn't renew because he's, well, he's the best player they've had in their history. And he's been an incredible player in, in MLS. I mean, he's been, he's one of the great MLS players, one of the greatest MLS players. Forgetting what players have done elsewhere, just on what they've done in the MLS. I mean, what he's done at LAFC is is incredible. And pre-injury was just ridiculous. Like that 2019 season when he scores 38 goals in 36 games is sensational. He hasn't quite been the same since, but pretty good the last two years, playing a different role. Um, Yeah, right, folks, that'll do. Um, We have soldiered through, so I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Network.